Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Couch Rotato Podcast. Joining me on today's show is producer Adam. Adam, why don't you tell the fine folks what movie we are talking about this week? We are talking about something about Mary. That's right, gang. We are revisiting the 1998 comedy classic, There's Something About Mary. We're going to talk to you about some of our favorite scenes, our favorite lines, who has the most impactful supporting performance, and some Hall of Fame categories for this movie. Should be a good one. So after the trailer, the Couch Potato Podcast presents to you, There's Something About Mary. Some call it crude. You hired me to find your girl, and I did. And then the truth is, I started to like her. Bizarre. An obnoxious behavior. Are you making all that big noise? But they call it love. From the directors of Dumb and Dumber and Kingpin, Cameron Diaz, Matt Dillon, Ben Stiller, there's something about Mary. Rated R. July 15th, only in theaters. Adam, what's going on, my friend? Not much. Friday night. Friday night. Ready to talk about some movies. Yeah, I had a blast doing last week's episode, the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. If you haven't listened to it, be sure to check us out on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And that is the cheap plug of the week. Got it in (laughs) right off the bat. Pretty awesome. Um, Yeah, we're efficient now. Right. I mean, we don't do a lot of things very good on here, but at least we're efficient. Um, I was thinking about, you know, doing this. We had a blast. I figured we would do another one. And we discussed we haven't done a comedy in a while. So I gave you a list of movies. Uh, There were some really good ones. Uh, I won't divulge what the list was because maybe we'll revisit that later down the road. But well. Keep that to ourselves. Right. Keep it close to the vest. But the movie that we are doing today, uh, you said that you consider that to be a classic. So mm-hmm. it kind of got me thinking a little bit, and it, it kind of sat with me. So I'm just thinking, like, well, I guess it kind of is. So uh, we decided to do it. And today we're talking about uh, the 1998 Classic now comedy. There's something about Mary done by the uh, Fairley brothers. Uh, just revisited this movie for the first time in quite a while on Wednesday. Um, I hadn't seen it. I seen it a couple times on home video, but I remember seeing it the first time in theaters, which seeing that in a packed movie theater is like an experience. Unlike any other seeing a good comedy with a packed house is just the fucking yeah. best. Um, when was the first time you got to see this movie? Um, so the first time I got to see this movie, uh, I, I think I was talking to you about it uh, before we started recording, but even um, uh, because I, I had to watch it again before we did it, uh, was a home home video. We we rented it from uh, Hollywood Video, and uh, also for, you didn't uh, you didn't go to Blockbuster. Didn't go to Blockbuster. Went to Hollywood Video. We did the thing where, um, like, 
Hollywood Video was uh, having this promotion like they'd give you extra money off of your rentals if you cut up your Blockbuster card in front of them. So, <laughs> Well, you know uh, that you happened. missed out on the uh, promo of the stuffed uh, Puffy the dog in his cast by going to Hollywood Video instead of Blockbuster. See, I, I, that's, a, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, I, I missed out on that. Uh, I didn't have any friends at work that uh, Blockbuster at the time. And I didn't make it out to the local blockbuster very often, so I missed out on that promo. Which man, I well, we both know somebody that might have one. So. Oh, I'm sure a uh, <laughs> friend of the show, Mark, has one for sure. He's probably got like three or four of them. Yeah, he he hoards all that stuff. I've seen it. I've I've witnessed. So you've been in his uh, his movie dungeon. <laughs> yeah, I have. He showed me his movie dungeon where he holds all of the uh, movie memorabilia captive. I have not been oh. in said movie dungeon, but uh, <laughs> to be uh, to hear the stories, it seems like he has every type of physical media known to man. I think he, I know he has laser disc. I think he's got Betamax yeah. too. I'm, I'm sure. I, I think, I think I remember him saying he does. I don't remember uh, from from being there, but I remember seeing the laser disc collection, and he definitely has VHS and DVD everywhere. So. Mm. Yeah. Well, Definitely maybe one of these form of media. maybe one of these days when we uh, we put this thing on YouTube, maybe we'll just make that a whole episode onto itself. Uh, Mark's movie dungeon. Yeah. We'll give the tour. We'll have a. Uh, uh, I'll be the cameraman, and Mark can uh, can show the internet his his glorious collection. Well, I have a very bad allergic reaction to cats, so yeah. I might have to wear like one of the. Uh, the Walter White uh, breathing apparatuses <laughs> when he's cooking meth while we're doing this. So it, I mean, people are going to watch it. If anybody watches, I don't know. No one listens to this show, let alone watch this on YouTube. But they're going to look at this like, what the fuck is this? It if could be rent, a whole, uh, more. If you rent one more than four times a year, it's just better to buy one of those suits. So Right, yeah. I might just do that. What the hell? Um, <laughs> but uh, getting back to the movie... Uh, yeah, I uh, watched it. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I think a lot of this doesn't age very well, and I don't think that they can make this movie today. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? No, I don't think they could. Um, it definitely doesn't age well. It's uh, uh, definitely around um, the uh, comedy that centers around like mentally handicapped kids. Uh Oh, dude, you know that, uh, Matt Dillon has just, that whole run where he is just, like, going completely oh, off the fucking rails about about that. I think that was that was that was part of the joke, too, because it's supposed to be offensive. And, and, you know, it it offends Mary, too. And it's, yeah, um, I get the comedy, but yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't age well. You, you can you can definitely tell, like. Uh, it, it would not be in theaters. Yeah. This day and age, for sure. Uh, what would you find uh, would most people be offended by? Would it be the the stalker-ishness of the, the main character, Ted? Well, actually, both um, of them kind of are. Ted and yeah. Pat. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's as bad of an issue. 
I, I don't. And just because they do all explain it at the end. It's just like because they're not there to hurt her. They 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 think they love her, and then like you know it. Uh, ben Stiller's like, yeah, they're all just fixated on you. They don't actually love you, and you know. Um, so they kind of explain that away, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't justify it, but and it makes it less creepy, maybe. Well, um, let me ask you this: What would you think that modern audiences would be offended by more? The uh, I would say the two most the scenes that would probably be would raise a lot of eyebrows in today's movie going world would be either uh, Ted getting his balls and dick getting caught in the zipper and you get basically like a full, you know, full view of that or the uh, Mary uh, using Ted spunk to as hair gel. Oh man. Uh... I mean, I think we've already established that probably the, uh, the treatment of uh, the mentally disabled by Pat Healy is probably the thing that would yeah. raise the most eyebrows, but uh, would, the two main gags. Yeah. The two main gags. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't think they're not particularly offensive in any sort of way. Well, for, not to us. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking in, in terms of, of large groups of people, like, you know, um, if we do a broad spectrum of mentally handicapped people, I don't think there's any like people that would get offended by Ben Stiller zipping his dick up. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe they would get offended at seeing it, but there's lots of nudity in movies, uh, even now. So, I mean, in a way <laughs> having a male nudity in a movie is, is more equal than than not because we get to see a lot more female nudity in movies it just seems well it seems like i've noticed it's the other way around lately it seems like everything that i see more of anymore is you see dudes like Mm -hmm. dudes junk i know like walton goggins and like in uh the righteous gemstones you get full view of his uh Mm -hmm. his package and i i seem to notice it more gravitating towards the male side now could be wrong yeah um you know, I think that uh, I think in between those two things, um, with uh, with the um, the zip and the uh, the spunk in the hair, I'm gonna have to say go with the spunk just because um, it's just it's just weird to watch. Like, yeah, it's one of those. I, I think it's one of the first movies, other than maybe like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. But we don't get like the full after effect of that whole thing. It's just, um, but like, it's just weird to watch on film. I don't know. I don't know what it is. And then, and then having it on his ear and then her rubbing it in her hair. I guess that could be, uh, since he didn't like disclose that to her, that could possibly be sexual assault too. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I guess uh, it could be. Know. Yeah, see, that would that's the thing. It's like, you know, there would always be some kind of way to kind of twist it around to make it make it more offensive than it really is. Right. So I'd, I'd probably go with that particular gag as more offensive. Yeah. Um, but, you know. You know, when I was uh, doing some research on this movie, uh, I did see that 
there weren't a lot of like the R-rated comedies that had been out for a while. Like it seemed like back in like the early '80s, the raunchy mm-hmm. R-rated comedy was a thing. I mean, you had like Porky's, you had Bachelor Party, Stripes, you know, like all those kind of Animal House. Mm-hmm huge huge hits and then it seemed like it just went away for a long time and then i i think for me i noticed that once this became a hit it seemed to kind of kickstart the r-rated comedy again yeah because like i I noticed i noticed that like a few years after this come out you started getting the apatow stuff i mean maybe a little bit later than that but it seemed like the apatow stuff came you know a few years later it Mm -hmm. seemed like we started getting more and more types of comedies like this yeah i think that's one of the things that um you know uh makes the argument for this being a classic race too is it's it it's influence kickstart a new yeah it did kickstart a new wave of uh r-rated comedies and comedy too is is um really hit or miss in theaters too because and we've talked about it before on the podcast it's just comedy doesn't make money as well as um much other genres of movies so um you do get short bursts of comedy throughout um you know cinematic history you don't get a giant you know like the D- disney had its its renaissance in the 90s you, you don't get big long renaissance like that with comedy you, you just get short well, certain bursts, styles of comedy and, yeah so I think it's it started a little short spurt there, and we we got we got that era that generation of uh, R-rated comedy because of um, there's something about Mary for sure. Yeah, it seemed like this is the bridge movie between the '80s and the 2000s. Yeah, I'd agree with that statement. And I I for think sure. I I think that between that and then just I mean I know there's a lot of like gross out humor and they kind of push things as far as they can go but when mm-hmm. I, I watch this again it works because like the three main characters are so well written you know yeah i mean there's yeah, not it, you know you know pat healy is kind of a slime ball piece of shit human being uh ted is kind of you know like the sweet kind of loser in life mm-hmm. uh and then like mary is kind of like the the center of it all and she's like and I really liked how after a while, like Ted and Pat kind of like they're very polar opposite ends of like people, you know, you got the good guy and you got yeah. the bad guy here. And then like, as they get, you know, they both have been, you know, they've had their thing with Mary and like they've reconnected or they've met her. They start to kind of become like the lines are blurred. You really, they start to become more the same. Yeah, I thought that yeah, was. They all have their. She's she's the uh, she's the reason. So she like they all have that in common and start acting this this similarly. I guess. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's still uh, even with the stuff that doesn't age well. Still, uh, still really good movie. I still really enjoyed this. Oh, for sure. Um, and like, the gross out gags, even even though you know they're. You know, they're lowbrow. They're you know lowest common denominator. Sometimes they're still um, memorable. Like you know, the spunk in the hair. Like they they've done so many parodies of that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it's 
even though it, it pandered to the lowest common denominator comedy wise, it it's still memorable and you know, I still laugh. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, you ready to knock out some categories? For sure. All right. Well, the tale of the tape. This movie was released on July the 15th, 1998. Just celebrated its 25-year uh, anniversary. Uh, stars Cameron Diaz, Ben Stiller, Matt Dillon, Lee Evans, Chris Elliott, and Lynn Shea. Directed by Peter and Bobby Fairley. Academy Award-winning directors. Uh, won a Oscar for Green Book, which uh, I won't get into, but uh, did not deserve that Academy Award. Um, Rotten Tomatoes score uh, 84% from critics, and I was kind of shocked. 61% from audiences. I thought this would be much higher. Mm. Mm. But I I got to thinking, too, that I think probably your age demo is probably the last age group that would probably appreciate this movie. I think anybody younger than you would probably be the ones that would be turned off by the humor of it yeah i don't know i don't know why um i guess i i, I can't understand uh the humor of uh the newer generations or something i don't know maybe i'm just getting too old but um you know some of the newer comedies that i don't find funny or you know kind of the same way so i get it it's it's probably just a, a generational thing yeah for sure because mm-hmm. they could they could go on rotten tomatoes and you know post their own score and kind of lower the score over time for sure yeah and that seems to be like the uh the group that seems to like frequent and write reviews more for movies seems mm-hmm. to be the that are like the uber movie nerds like guys that make us <laughs> like seem like stallone and schwarzenegger in comparison um uh this movie did 369 million dollars worldwide on a 23 million dollar budget which is fucking crazy. That is that is super crazy. Um I think I remember reading uh comedies and horror have the best uh returns for uh movie making because their budgets can be so low. Mhm. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that's the thing. Like I've, I think studios would like to see comedy kind of come back to theaters because it has such a great return on investment. But I think a lot of it is due to the fact that our society in general just seems to be so offended by everything anymore. So it's kind of tough to do a comedy. And I think a lot of the comedy stuff now is gravitated towards television. Yeah, it's it's risky enough to take um, uh, a risk on, you know, an unknown uh, story. Uh, and we've covered that before, too, where we talk about franchises. Um, you know, listen, listen today. We have a podcast about that. Um, but uh, I think it's also fairly risky to try and gather a good demographic for a comedy nowadays, because... Um, you have baby boomers, you have millennials, you have uh, Gen Zers, and you have Gen Alphas, and they all have a different idea of what's funny. And trying to focus in on what everyone thinks is funny without offending anyone is just going to be too hard. So not only do you have the risk of, you know, this movie might not make enough money for me, 
because it's not part of a franchise. This movie also might offend everybody that we want to see our movies. So we're not going to do that. Well, when you said that, it makes me wonder too, like, I know the big thing with like the writer's strike and then the actor's strike is uh, the use of AI. It almost makes, when you said that Mm -hmm. you got so many demographics and you have to worry, you have to tread the line on like who you're going to, you're going to offend somebody. Like Mm -hmm. I could just see like some studio now, like, all right, just put in the old chat GBT come up with like, you know, <laughs> like the least offensive funny movie you could come up with and they'll write something. It'll be the worst movie ever made. Yeah, it's gonna, it's like the, I don't know, like Dr. Doolittle like amped up to 11 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie did not win any awards. Uh, however, I did see that in I think it was AFI's uh, 100 Funniest Movies of All Time. This movie was like number 20. So that's pretty high praise, and they seem to be on the same uh, wavelength as you, considering it's a classic. And if you decide that you want to watch There's Something About Mary, you can stream it on the cock. Stream it on the cock. Yep. Uh, I was I own it, so I I just accessed my Voodoo login. But yeah, I uh, noticed it was on mm. Peacock. So kudos to Peacock, which is weird considering it's Fox movie. I thought it'd be on Hulu, but hey, whatever. I'm not trying to get into those rights. The scouting report, which uh, we are calling like fun facts, little tidbits about the movie behind the scenes you may or may not have uh, realized. Uh, I found a ton of really cool information about this movie. I thought when we decided to do this, I thought for sure it was like going to be one of those movies that like, Oh fuck, there's not going to be anything to talk about with this, but Mm -hmm. Oh no. Oh no. Found (laughs) quite a bit of juicy details on this. I've only got a few here. Um, Courtney Cox of uh, friends fame was offered the role of Mary by the Fairley brothers and she accepted it, but her schedule her shooting schedule of friends uh, kind of made things a little tricky, so her agent turned it down for her without her knowing. Now, I let me ask sense. you this: I mean, Courtney Cox or uh, Cameron Diaz? Who do you? Who would you think is a better fit? Um. Oh man. Uh, okay, so I've I've voiced my opinion about Cameron Diaz before. Um, I don't like Cameron Diaz. I mean, she's okay as an actress. Her her best thing in any movie is uh, she's got the movie scream down, like the classic Hollywood movie scream. Other than that, I, I could take her or leave her. I mean, um, she's okay up until about the Shrek era, and then just kind of peters off and becomes annoying. Um, Courtney Cox, she's not super funny to me but it would be interesting to see her in the role so i'm only leaning slightly towards courtney cox i'm not i don't want to give her it's it's like if i were giving her an award like maybe an oscar i would break off the head and give it to her <laughs> i don't i don't, don't want to give her full credit but i would i would lean more towards courtney cox now see i don't think that courtney cox could pull it off because 
I think this could be the fact I've seen her in the scream. Like I am not a, a fan of Friends. I've never understood the appeal of that show. For those that watch Friends, mm-hmm. awesome. I applaud you for your fandom. It just show never spoke to me. I know Courtney Cox best from the Scream movies, and her mm-hmm. character Gail Weathers is kind of a bitch. Well, no, not kind of. She is. She is really. She is. She's really a like a, a fucking hateful human being. Cameron Diaz, Mary is like kind of like the all American sweetheart in this movie. Like, yeah, she's likable. I can, yeah, yeah. Like, and she's like yeah. every guy's like fa- fantasy. Like, she is you know attractive. She's super sweet. She likes sports. You know. Yeah, all, and I, I I just don't see Courtney Cox pulling it off. Like I could see her being like super pissy about going to a, like a, a football game. Maybe it's because I don't find. Uh, I mean, I I don't find either of them super attractive, but and it's Cameron Diaz just doesn't speak to me as uh, girlfriend material. I mean, she yeah, she likes sports and she likes you know she wants meat on a stick and you know she talks about you know pretty chill things. But you know, a guy would want to talk about, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see the, uh, the appeal other than that. She, she plays the role really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, maybe Courtney Cox would, wouldn't do a good job. And maybe it's just me, uh, uh, projecting my hatred of, not hatred, annoyance of Cameron Diaz and unbridled bloodlust uh, hatred of Cameron Diaz. <laughs> now I could see Jennifer Aniston doing it more than Courtney Cox. Oh yeah, for sure. Jennifer Aniston hands down would win between the three of them. Yeah. She's an, she's an excellent actress. And, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm on the fence now. You, you, you kind of convinced me the other way. So I'm, I'm like right in the middle. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I think, yeah, Cameron, I think Cameron Diaz ultimately, well, not just in my opinion, like movie audiences mm-hmm. too, like they, they dug the choice. I, I think that, yeah, you know, she was, they probably made the right choice. Pretty damn good. And that's why you and I are not casting directors in Hollywood, at least not yet. Not yet. Although I, from just, you know, my basic opinion, which is always right. Uh, I think that uh, you and I have picked some great, uh, some great fake casts before. So. Well, yeah, we should. So uh, Warner yeah. Brothers, which Warner Brothers definitely needs help because I just read a story that The Flash like was a huge bomb. So we could have cast that movie better. You know, like For sure. Universal, yeah. give us a call, man. Just, uh, uh, listen to the end of the show. We'll give you our email address. That way you can contact us if you need us to help. Uh, cast a movie when the, they go back to work. Yeah. Right now they're not in work, so yeah, yeah. we're we're we stand with the uh, the writers and the actors. Um, we do solidly, solidly, solidly. I can't speak tonight. Yeah. Solidly behind the actors and the writers. Um, 20th Century Fox was reluctant to allow Ben Stiller to star in the film. He was the first choice of the Fairley brothers, so. The brothers decided to cast an at the time an unknown Owen Wilson in the role, and then I guess the studio's like, "Well, wait a minute, that's definitely not who we want to star in this." So you're okay to hire Ben Stiller, and then that's how Ben Stiller got the lead. 
Now, I definitely cannot see Owen Wilson doing this. Mm-hmm. No. no. Ben, ben Stiller's able to capture like the the lovable loser shtick pretty well. He's like I awkward. Yeah. yeah, Owen Wilson, I can't see him doing. Yeah, awkward is perfect. I can't see Owen Wilson doing yeah. awkward or being a loser. No. Oh, yeah. Ben Stiller was was the right choice for sure. Uh, I found this to be kind of uh, interesting, too. Uh, Pat Healy, uh, they mm-hmm. considered uh, Bill Murray, which I think they would have went with, but they thought he was a little too old for the role. And mm-hmm. they also considered Vince Vaughn, who I could see doing it. Yeah. And then Cuba Gooding Jr., which talk about shit that hasn't aged well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I get I could see Vince Vaughn pulling it off. But yeah, Murray would have been Vaughn good was, if he was yeah. a little younger. Yeah, he would have been all right. But yeah, you're right. He's he's way too old. I think that uh what was this, ninety eight when it came out? Yeah, he was he was in his forties, maybe early fifties. I think yeah, he would have been in his early. 40s? Yeah, I think he would have been in his early fifties because he's actually worked with the Fairley Brothers before. Uh, he did Kingpin, which was the movie they did mm-hmm. right before this one. Which fucking right. love Kingpin. We got to do that movie sometime. Okay. Um, you uh, you kind of beat me to the punch. I was thinking about starting a category called uh, "Hot Off the Stove" or "Hot Takes." About this movie, and I would say that uh, Kingpin is the best of the the Fairley Brothers uh, comedies. Oh, the uh, I don't think the box office would agree with you. No, they did not. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> they did Dumb and Dumber. They did Kingpin, and they did There's Something About Mary. Those were the first three movies that yeah. they did. And yeah, I Kingpin's the one I always go back to. Kingpin's good though. Yeah. That's a movie that hasn't aged well either. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into that another time. Uh, this next bit of news I thought was like really, really fascinating. For the role of Warren, uh, Mary's uh, mentally challenged, mentally handicapped brother, uh, Chris Farley was considered for this. Hmm. Um, I could see that. His uh, rapidly declining health, because at the time Farley was like really addicted to like drugs, and you could see mm-hmm. the effects they were taking on him whenever he was in public during this time. He was in really rough shape. Uh, he was he had to turn it down, so that's when they cast uh, Der- W. Earl Brown, who is awesome in this. Um, and Farley actually died in '97 while they were filming this, so. He wouldn't have been able to do it anyways. But yeah, I thought that was kind of fascinating. Yeah. I I don't know if... I think Farley could have pulled it off because there's been Saturday Night Live skits where he's kind of... I hearken back to the skit where he was Rudy Giuliani's son Mm -hmm. uh, when Giuliani was elected uh, mayor of New York City. And I could, yeah. for that skit right there, I could see him pulling it off. But Farley, too, kind of has, has that same thing that Robin Williams has. Like, I love Robin Williams, but there are certain movies that he just would not be a good fit for because of his comedic style. I think Farley may have been the same for this. Because mm-hmm. Farley is very 
maniacal too and can kind of get a little over the top. So I don't know. Maybe he could have pulled yeah. it off. But yeah, he might have brought more um I don't know. I feel like he he might have done it over the top. Maybe. Well, the only other problem with Farley too, is either he was a pretty big star at this point. Mm-hmm. And Warren being a minor character in this movie, I think kind of would have overshadowed the three leads. Yeah. And there's sometimes where like a, a big star in a, a minor role is not a good thing. So yeah. I don't know. It might've worked. It may not have um, the original ending, which uh, I'm not going to spoil anything for you guys and gals. Cause this movie is 25 years old. If you haven't seen it by now, I don't know what to tell you. Um, the original ending of this movie had Ted getting hit by a bus after Mary chose him over the other suitors. But I guess test screenings hmm. uh, decided that was too dark of an ending, so they went with the movie ending that you see in the theaters and on home video and everything where they reunite and they get the happily ever after ending, and then the guy, the sailor guy, sure. shoots the, the balladeer or whatever. I don't Did they ever say what his name was? No, I was looking for that in the uh, in the credits. Uh, I like I like Balladeer better. I was calling them minstrels. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, Balladeer. Um, the last one that I have is the uh, zipper scene where Ted gets his uh, Franken beans caught in the zipper, taking Mary to prom. Was based off of a real life scenario involving the Fairley brothers' sister. Uh, she okay. had a group of friends over to listen to records when she was in the eighth grade. And I guess one of the kids had went to the bathroom and he was in the bathroom for a really long time to the point where mm-hmm. the uh, their dad, who was, I guess, a doctor, had to go up and check on him. And I guess years later, his parents told uh, told him this story about what happened to this kid. It's based on a real life event. Okay. I never knew that. Let me ask you this, Adam. Uh, being a gentleman, have you ever got it caught in a zipper? No, I can't say that I have. At least if I have, I have repressed the memory because it was so traumatic. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to not have to have that happen to me either. Although now I think that I said it, I'm probably going to cast that evil into the universe and it's probably going to happen at some You're- point. It's going to happen tonight. You're going to get up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom. Although I, you probably don't wear you know, anything with a zipper to the in the middle of the night, but it's going to happen. I, I, I wear dress slacks to bed. <laughs> I make sure that they're pressed. They have a nice crease in the middle. Yeah, I I am dressed oh, to the man. nines. I dress you like a hobo in public. In, I dress like a hobo in public. When it comes to sleep time, I dress like a million bucks. You better wear a tuxedo to bed, or you're you're not. Yeah, you're not anything. Well, I save that for the weekends. Okay. As soon as I I get I we get done with this, I'm going to bed. I've got it sitting out there waiting on me. I got the uh, the three piece tuxedo top hat. Yeah, I'm ready to roll. Because you never know, you might get woken up in the middle of the night, and you might have to bust into a Fred Astaire dance routine. Yeah, and that's how it's going to happen. You're gonna you're gonna bust into the dance routine. Then you're gonna get it caught. 
because you put it out in the universe. Yeah. Well, I, I just, yeah. after I said Fred Astaire, I just realized that like nobody uh, yeah. that listens to this show would probably know who Fred Astaire is. So that's probably why well, no then, one listens uh, to it. Like I, I mentioned shit that you and I listen to or that we know, but like people listen to this, like who the fuck's Fred Astaire? Danny, 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 the King. Danny, Danny fucking K. Yeah. Now see now Danny, they would know like, oh yeah, the guy that Clark Griswold mentioned in Christmas Vacation. And that's all they know him <laughs> Honestly, when I was a kid, that's how I was introduced to Danny K too. Was it's Danny fucking K, mom. And after she scolded me for saying fucking and she told me who he was. Um, My mom made me watch White Christmas, so <laughs> uh yeah, I think I, I got an introduction to that uh the next Christmas. Uh, do you have any? Do you have any fun facts about oh, the movie? I do. Uh, before I get into my fun facts, um, are we doing any new categories this week? Because no, no, I could. I couldn't come up with anything. Uh, I okay. would have introduced the uh, hot off the hot off the skillet takes, mm-hmm. which I think, yeah, that uh, we have to do that now. I think that's going to be a new category oh, for sure. the next time. The, I'm going to even write it I down like as we say it: hot off the skillet takes. And then we can add a little uh, skillet sound effect in there, like just like bacon. Oh, dude, perfect. Maybe yeah, we should just start recording um, that, like not actually do like a, a podcast episode, just record ourselves like talking about shit that we should do and just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The to do list of the couch potatoes. Yeah, it's just like it would just rename the show the to do list, like shit we got to do for the week. Like, oh, yeah, I got to do. Fucking empty the dishwasher as soon as I'm done here. Like, you just bitch about emptying the dishwasher for 30 minutes. Perfect. All right, we'll go ahead with your fun facts. Sorry, I didn't mean to segue into something else. You know, you're good. Um, So I have uh, a few uh, goofs uh, as part of my fun facts. Um, uh, When uh, Mary and uh, Pat are at the carnival, and uh, she has cotton candy. Um, it actually, um, when she's eating it, it gets smaller every cut, faster than she's eating it. So you can tell, like, you know, it's been eaten and there's been multiple takes. Uh, but they did not uh, care to, like, look at the cotton candy in between takes. So um, just a little uh, cutting room faux pas there. Um, and then uh, second goof that uh, that they did, was when um, Norm gets out of his car to deliver pizza. He throws the uh, um, stuff in the car, gets his pizza gear out, you know, grabs the pizza. Um, Pat is actually behind his house when he was following him in the first place. So when he's behind the house that Pat's delivering to, he should be behind. Um, Pat should be behind Norm, but he's not. How did he get behind the house? And why is he in that position to begin with? And how did Norm not notice him? <laughs> Especially because, like, I was watching it too. When when you when the, it pans over that scene, you can clearly see the car and the headlights blaring at him. Like it's there. He's just waiting to rev up and run him over or whatever. But like, it's blatantly obvious that he's there, and he's supposed to be like a private detective. Mm-hmm. Not a very good um, one. <laughs> um, so uh, 
one of the uh, um, inmates in the prison where um, Ted's being held uh, after, you know, that raid at the rest stop. Um, one of the guards uh, kind of like jeers at him. He has like a big beard and uh, he like shakes the the bars as they're closing, which by the way, it, it takes them a really long time to close those, those bars. Like there's like 20 inmates there and like three guards. Why aren't they just running out? Yeah, it could have easily been, turned into the prison riot scene from Natural Born Killers. You know, and it would have been a fun scene, too, because it would have been uh, in a comedy, and they would have had some way to make it funny. It yeah. only would have but, yeah. been funny if somehow they spliced Tommy Lee Jones, like, just his over-the-top <laughs> performances at Prison Warden like into that scene. Like, I would have fucking loved it. Perfect. Um, but that, uh, that first inmate with the one with the really big beard at the, at the beginning that, uh, shakes the bars as they're closing him is actually, uh, Cameron Diaz's father. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, Keith David, who plays, um, uh, Mary's dad in this movie. Um, I think it's her stepdad. Stepdad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's based off of, uh, uh, was I think it's I think it's probably brother stepdad one of their relations step it, it's uh, I forget the the actual um relation to them but it was based off of uh you know a real person um they decided to uh to do that also uh um just you know uh bonus fact uh he actually plays uh the arbiter in uh Halo Keith David uh, one of my favorite characters in Halo. So, you know, has a very distinctive voice. Great voice actor. He is. Um, He's also uh, in uh, a couple of uh, my favorite Carpenter movies, too. Yeah. He's in The Thing and They Live. Oh, man. Oh, man. We need to do one of this. Well, I don't want to. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. Spoiler alert. If you don't want to like, find out what we're. Uh, gonna reveal here just fast forward uh, like a minute i think we're gonna do the thing in october excellent love it yeah i i I got it's one of my favorites i I think i'm I'm gonna make it like we're gonna do a tripod episode get like a third person involved and i know Mm -hmm. i know the guy to to do it so yeah i think i think the thing is gonna be in october okay because it's a Um, good good movie and we've done one carpenter movie And he's one of my favorite directors of all time. I don't know why I haven't done more of them, but yeah, he he has way more hits than than misses for sure. Well, we'll we'll save it for the Carpenter episode. Yeah, yeah, we'll save. Um, yeah. So uh, when uh, uh, about an hour or so into the movie, um, she's uh, uh sitting on the car with Ted um as they're talking. Um, uh, Mary is looking at at a watch to see what the time it is, uh, but her watch is facing us. Another goof. Uh, it's I don't know uh, how she's reading that that time, but uh, you know Ted better stay away because there's something not right with her. She's looking at a watch that's not facing the right way. It's just um, one of those things we need the Shia LaBeouf meme, like the magic. It's all it's just magic, <laughs> just you know, like. 
Um, and then uh, my last uh, fun fact and and goof um, when uh, during the Frankenbeans uh, scene when he uh, Ted gets it stuck, uh, he loses his jacket in between cuts. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. All right, good stuff, man. Yeah. Um, the uh, the highlight reel. Uh, this is the category for the the scene in the movie that if you are showing this to somebody for the first time, what scene would you show them? So, uh, my contender is the scene when uh, I don't know whether to call him uh, Norm or Tucker. I call him Tucker for the most part because that's who he is for most of the movie. Yeah, um, and I actually find him to be funnier as Tucker than I do Norm. I, when he becomes Norm, yeah. Norm, they find him out like, all right, he's kind of a fucking shithead. Uh, bonus fact: Before we get into it, uh, he, he is actually uh, English, um, and a uh, critic um, said that he is one of the worst uh, British fake British accents he's ever heard. Uh, but it's actually a real British accent, just hammed up for this movie. Uh, yeah, that's uh British actor Lee Evans who uh I remember from the uh movie uh was that Mouse Hunt? With yes. the, with Nathan Lane. Uh I'm gonna die on that hill right now. Mouse Hunt is fucking awesome. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I'm not gonna disagree with you. Uh, that's a that's a <laughs> damn that's a damn fine motion picture. Um Yeah, I, I remember that. That well, that was in the nineties, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was right after uh, this movie. I think it was like the next year. Okay, okay. yeah, it was, it, was, it was good. It's been a while since I've seen it, though. But I'll agree with you. It's a it's a good movie. It's a good watch. Maybe Mouse Hunt will be spoiler alert. Maybe we'll do Mouse Hunt down the road. We're <laughs> just gonna. It's the to do list. Yeah, we're, we're the that's list. all it is. No. Like. Just skip through and just find a shit that we're going to talk about doing and we'll probably never do. Um, my favorite scene in this movie is when uh, Norm slash Tucker and Pat try to sabotage Mary and Ted's date and they toss the speed into the apartment and Puffy the dog gets a hold of it and then uh, once Ted uh, Ted comes back to her apartment uh they find magda who's also ingested some of the speed like lifting up the couch and <laughs> lifting up the couch she's fucking vacuuming the floor <laughs> i don't know why like when you do speed like that's first thing fucking comes to your mind but and then i need to clean and then uh they uh she's asking where uh puffy's at and you hear like what sounds to be like a fucking horse locked in the bathroom. And it turns out it's this little dog. I don't know what kind of dog it is. It's like some kind of terrier of some kind. Yeah. It looks like a mix, like a terrier Maltese or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, basically this dog is all hopped up on speed and then fucking attacks Ted. And like to the point where it's so hopped up that like he grabs a hold of Ted's leg and drags him across the floor and Ted scratches the floor and actually puts nail like nail marks, nail marks <laughs> to the floor. And then Ted eventually has to throw him over the balcony 
And then the next, the net, the it cuts right to the next scene where Puffy's in a fucking full body cast. My son, <laughs> the uh, when I was watching this on Wednesday night, he came in probably right before that scene went down. He was asking me what I was watching. I was like, oh, I'm doing, you know, there's something about Mary for the show. And he fucking lost it during the whole scene, too. And that's how I know that still fucking that scene works. Yeah, it does. It's it's uh, it's universal comedy. And I, I and that it plays in Ben Stiller's strengths, too, I think. Yeah, for sure. And actually, I think the two funniest scenes in the whole movie involve that fucking dog. It's when he also meets Pat for the first time. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like dead. Yeah, he has to fucking resuscitate it with the fucking like the plug. Like he does that old trick where he rips the the lamp cord out. Which there's yeah. another goof. He rips the lamp cord out, but the la- the the room still lit up. Like that lamp's yeah. still on. Um, and they ends up wrapping him in that fucking blanket. I was like, I had seen cracks me up too. Both of those scenes are perfect. Those are those are so good. Yeah, and see, like that's to the strength of the movie, though the two like biggest sight gags like like i would probably i think the frank and beans one was like super funny when i first seen it but it kind of loses its its strength after a while that's that's how you know you got a good comedy written when like the two gross big gross out gags don't even fucking register yeah Yeah, because i mean honestly those are those are the ones that like were supposed to be pushing the envelope at the time i think Cause you don't, you don't see it. Like I, I said before, you don't see a lot of stuff like that in, in movies, comedies or otherwise. And then, um, they kind of, they kind of did it to be memorable. And now, like, like you said, when you watch it now, it's, it, I, I would agree with you. Those aren't the funniest scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah. what was yours? Like, what's your favorite scene in the movie? Um, so, um, I was going off of, um, you know, uh, what I would show to somebody, um, and it, it probably would be one of those gross out scenes, but I'm actually going to defer to you because uh, you you make a valid point. They're not as funny. I I did laugh more at the uh, at the dog scenes than I did either of those other two gags. Yeah, I think my son coming in and like fucking losing it, like he was fucking yeah. on. He was dying like watching this, like just fucking rolling hysterically. And I never hear him like laugh that fucking hard at a movie ever, like. <laughs> In his twelve years of life, I have never heard him laugh that hard at a movie until a couple nights ago. Man, and uh, I honestly, um, I'm I'm gonna uh, reveal my procrastination here. Although I've had other things going on, but I just finished the uh, watching the movie again uh, right before we started recording, and I can guarantee you, I. I laughed so hard at the the scene where they're throwing the speed in the window and it gets into her drink. <laughs> and then like He-Man lifting up with one arm and then Mary tries to take it and just like falls over with it. Yeah, that that was that was a good little bit too that I caught. Like I never really paid attention to that. She could have easily <laughs> just like sat the couch the couch down, but it, it really played to like this couch is fucking heavy and like Magda just lifts it up like it's like she's picking it's up a nothing. fucking like a shirt off the bed, you know. I also like the exchange between the two guys as they're throwing the speed in there and he's talking to Norm and he's like 
uh, how many did I throw in there? He's like, I don't know, three, four. And it's like, I think four is, is going to kill that little dog. That's an oh, awful lot of speed for that, for a dog. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, oh, fuck it. He throws another one up there. <laughs> yeah, that's good oh, stuff. Um, the uh, Paul Walker, I said, for, I said, forget about a cut award for the most awesome line, good or bad of the movie. Um, I know for me, my two personal favorites, probably not the winner, but uh, I really like the exchange in the car with Ben Stiller and Harlan Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially yeah. like the seven minute abs stuff. Yeah. That stuff just yeah. gets me every time. And I, to this day, if someone even mentions like, in a, like seven, like seven minutes in a time frame, I always have to say, you mean seven minute abs? Not six, seven. Yeah, I think that I, I think that's a good contender for sure. And then, like, they give you the money back guarantee. Like, we'll give you the extra minute for free. <laughs> like, it's gonna take you more time to fucking switch the DVD or the disc or the tape or whatever. For the extra minute. It's like you just killed the fucking work. And that, that to me, is what makes it funnier more than anything. It's like you're going to be wasting more time changing changing it out unless they yeah. do something where it's like the full eight minutes. But whatever. Um, <laughs> and then I also, it's kind of a throwaway line, but I still fucking crack up every time is when Ted visits Pat at his office and Pat's leaving for Miami after he's met. He sees like Mary is like, this just beacon yeah. of like you know like oh I have to I have to be with this woman, so he moves down to yeah. Miami, and he says well, you know what he did he asked him what he's doing he goes I took a job in Miami and he says something about uh with the rice aroni people, and then uh and, and for rice aroni it's just a very random fucking thing to say about Miami. Like out of anything yeah. would mind me rice aroni and he goes, I thought that was a San Francisco treat. He goes, Oh, they're taking they're t- they're trying to go international. I just fucking lose it every time I see that. Yeah. But um I know for I, me I, it's it's the it's the whole seven minute ab exchange with Harlan. Honestly, Williams. I'm gonna agree with you. Because that was on my list as well. And that it, I laughed so hard when they started talking about how like, oh yeah, until you know, you get Somebody comes along with six minute abs and he gets so pissed off. <laughs> he's like, No, nobody would ever do that. Why would you do six? And he almost has a fucking seizure. Like, he's like, <laughs> He's just trying to think about it. And you can see like the, the gears are turning, but they're not like quite going all the way and it just malfunctions. So he gets, he just gets pissed off. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're, you're, you're dreaming about Gorgon Bolo when it's Brie time, babe. And then, like he he caps it off. He goes, uh, he tells Ben still go step in my office, and Ben will ask him why. He goes, "Because you're fucking fired." I think all of us still use that one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll, g- we'll give it to the Harlan uh, Harlan Williams. Uh, maybe we'll just rename this uh, this award the Seven Minute Abs Award for Best Line of the Movie. Um, I do want to uh, throw out a uh, an honorary uh, an honorable mention. Uh, I I like it when uh, they're walking out of uh, the office, and um, 
out of Pat's office after he says he's uh, resigning and they're going towards his car. And he says like, oh yeah, well, she's going, why is she going to Japan? Well, you've heard of male or brides. They go the other way too. And I'm like, wait, why are they that desperate? She's a whale. Cause you know, uh, um, Pat had told Ted that, you know, she's uh, gained weight. And uh, Pat's like, you can't forget, Ted. It's a sumo culture. <laughs> <laughs> they pay for the pound of it. <laughs> it's sort of like a, you know, tuna. <laughs> uh, Dylan is throwing heaters in this movie. I fucking love it. Um, the McLovin Award for the most impactful supporting performance of the movie. I've got three strong contenders here. Um, I have Harlan Williams as the hitchhiker. He's only in the movie for five minutes. And like we just said, he's got probably easily the best exchange to the movie. Uh, Keith David, uh, he appears early in the Mm -hmm. movie as uh, Mary's stepdad. But my pick is, and I found, I didn't find this out till doing the research. uh, Richard Jenkins is Ted's therapist in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he goes uncredited. He's not even credited for this movie. Oh. Yeah. He's in there for like maybe two minutes. Uh, and he just does the most dickhead thing that a shrink could do to one of his patients. He's not even in the fucking room yeah. when Ted's pouring his heart out. He comes <laughs> back right before the end eating lunch. And then he drops that fucking line about rest stops, which I still, it's yeah. not. It hasn't aged well, but still, it's still, it's and, not so much the line, it's the delivery. He says it was yeah. such, like, such conviction. That, which is proven. Shadows later on in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's my, my winner. Uh, that, I always look forward to this scene every time I watch this movie. It's just. Mm-hmm him like fucking dipping into that session right before it ends. So he's not even in there for the entire time. I still fucking love it. Uh, we've already given Harlan Williams an award, so I want to give this one to Richard Jenkins. Okay. But yeah, I'll, I'll I'll agree with you. I I wanted to give it to the hitchhiker, but, um, Harlan's great. He is, but we, you know, we already spoke about, uh, about him with the, uh, the best line. Keith David is fucking like, just bringing it too, though. I fucking love his oh, stepdad. Yeah. yeah, and how he, uh, how he, um, you know, kind of was pulling Ben Stiller's leg at the beginning. Like, uh, I guess that was a thing. Like, um, uh, uh, it was uh, some somebody had inspired that as well. Um, it was a real life inspiration, and um, I really like the fact that there was a bunch of lines in. Um, uh, Keith David's role that he just ad libs too. Well, the fact cool. that he messes with Ted so much during the uh, mm-hmm. when he goes to pick her up, Mary does that to Ted later on in the movie too. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's that's really cool. Uh, and that's kind of storytelling and like uh, um, some connections that you don't really get in comedies either. Yeah. Plus, Keith David was married to uh, Marky Post in uh, this movie, and I had a I had a, a crush on Marky Post uh, back when, <laughs> when I was a kid on Night Court. Plus, he's the arbiter from Halo. So yeah, we've already let's see, we already mentioned him too. So give a little yeah. love to Richard Jenkins. So you, we cool giving Richard Jenkins this? I, I am cool with it. All right, 
Um, the Welcome to Dumpsville Population U Award for the performer that we would recast. I really didn't have anybody. It seemed like they did a pretty good job. And it really just focuses yeah. on essentially Stiller, uh, Diaz, and Dylan. Um, yeah. And I, I think they peppered it in with some really good supporting performers like yeah. uh, Fairly Brothers' favorite, Lynn Shea. Like, she's fucking fantastic in this as well. Yeah. Which uh, she mm. also gets a special shout out to. Uh, Lynn Shea yeah. is Magda. Is she Mary's mm-hmm. landlord or her roommate? Or I don't know what that dynamic is. I think it's the landlord, and he was only around with her because he wanted to be with Mary. Oh, no. I was talking so about like uh, Lynn Shea. Like, oh, Lynn Shea? Oh. Is, is Magda Mary's roommate, her landlord? I don't know what that dynamic is. Neighbor? Uh, I think neighbor is all. Oh, okay. Pretty fucking yeah, friendly. Like, that's. That's Kramer level friendship right there, where she just fucking hangs yeah. out in her house. Yeah, listening to radios and whatnot. Yeah, but there's nobody I would re- recast in this. I mean, I think they, the Fairley brothers, knocked it out of the park with this one. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a couple of uh, uh, different, uh, you know, actors that could have done it, like we were mentioning in the trivia, but. I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah, not like anybody that I would blatantly say, like, okay, like, all right, pack it up. Yeah, get out of here. You're not worthy of this movie. Get the fuck out of here. The gone get. That were in this movie, I I totally forgot Sarah Silverman was in this movie. Yeah. So I just watched it. It says one of the grossest lines I've ever heard dropped in a movie, uh, something about a three-pound cock. I'm like, that is fucking vile <laughs> that is like you, you gotta go see a doctor if that's the case and like uh, how how does one measure that how do you walk around with that like that has to cause some back problems right oh <laughs> hip hips are getting popped out and i'm not talking about for the op you know sex partners yeah. i'm talking like you know your your hips are falling you know yeah you you roll one way in the bed, you're falling out of bed every time. Yeah, like having a fucking anchor tied to your waist. It's like, why do you keep falling out of bed? Like you just have to sleep on the floor. <laughs> like I give up. I I'm selling the bed. I'm sleeping on the floor. <laughs> How did he die? Oh, he went for swimming lessons, sank straight to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't. Dude can't go swimming. <laughs> He can't. He cannot be in any kind of body of water at all. He can't go fucking canoeing. He can't go <laughs> rafting. Man, it's my weakness. It's my kryptonite is water. Yeah, <laughs> that's a literal can. Like if you di- if he dives off of a diving board, that's a literal cannonball. If it doesn't hit him in the head and knock him out first, yeah. Oh yeah, dude, forgot about that too. <laughs> <laughs> swings up oh, oh, he's dead uh, I think that at this point of the show we could tell that you and I had to work this morning and it's 11 3 because we're just having a fucking giddy old conversation about some dude's three pound cock there's oh, content that uh, that's worth it right now that, I mean, see that's you know, you're getting, this is the kind of talk that you don't get on other shows that's right this is premium. Yeah, you're, premium you're getting kind of, premium for free. Yeah, for free. 
No cost to you whatsoever. <laughs> Just a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Um, the unsolved mysteries of the movie, the only one that I really had was... Um, we're led to believe before uh, we find out that Norm is an imposter. He's just a fucking lowly pizza delivery driver. Mm-hmm. We're led to believe that Tucker is one of Mary's best friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, they, they fooled me. I thought for sure, like you know, this was a legit dude that just wanted to, you know, be with her, and like he was trying to sabotage yeah. these other guys. Why, like nobody, like. He visits her all the time, I'm guessing. He's visited her at work. Mm-hmm. He's visited her at her apartment. Nobody has ever seen him get into that shitbox car of his. And at, yeah. at least raise some red flags like, okay, this guy's supposed to be an architect, right? Yeah. And no one sees yeah. him get into that fucking rusted up site. Like, was that a Buick Citation or something? I'm not a car some, guy, so I could, yeah. be, I could be off base, but... It, Nobody has seen it's this. Crappy. It's a it's yeah. a fucking it's a heap. No one has seen him get into that. He is the best uh, at faking who he is. I think uh, like even better than the private investigator. He he puts up the best facade. Like where did he get the money for the suit? Like he he's a pizza delivery guy that looks like a really nice suit. You know. Yeah. Um, he uh he puts on the the fake but also real uh british accent um and then he gets all this dirt on all of the other guys some of it's made up but you know uh he's a mastermind and then he drives around that car he drives it better than the the private investigator that is blatantly in the bushes with his <laughs> headlights blaring <laughs> right <laughs> but i so, don't know yeah, I- he's- that's always bo- like bothered me. Like nobody knew. Like this didn't even come up. Like why is Tucker driving that? Like that car looks like it shouldn't even be on the roads. Like maybe it's because he's supposed to um, have a physical handicap, so he can't drive around on like a Vespa or something. Well, <laughs> I at first I thought like well maybe like he just parks it down the road, but like. There hasn't been at least one uh, time where uh, somebody is offering, like, let me take you to your car. You know, like, why, Tucker, you don't need to drive or don't need to walk. I'll take you home or, you know, yeah, let me drive you to your car. And then, like, I don't know. It's yeah, that's, it, that's strange to me. It's probably, like, nothing. In it, but, like, this, that's one thing that always kind of, like, I always wondered. Yeah. And um, uh, other than that, like the only other uh, mystery that um, that I thought about was uh, uh, Dom. Like, uh, how did he present his 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 story to his wife? Apparently, he was in like psychiatric care for like what nine years. He said or something like that. Mm. And then he decides, oh well, I'm going to go down to Florida with uh, with Ted. And like, is that all he, he did to explain his disappearance to his wife? And what about the hives? Like, if I got hives that badly before I left to go be with my friend, somebody in my life, anybody in my family is going to be like, 
dude, you need to go see a doctor. Don't go, don't go with Ted. Well, they weren't Just that bad at first. He only had like a little bump on his head, and yeah, and he true. went yeah. he went down to uh to meet with Ted because uh, they had seen him on that episode of Cops. Right, after he got busted, yeah. so it's like he's like, okay, I'm gonna go down there and bail him out. He he knew Mary was down there beforehand though, because Ted was talking about Mary. Yeah, so he he probably planned on it. Yeah, I was like, oh well, this but, is a perfect opportunity for me to go down here and yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's probably, but still, I think, uh, you know, anybody in his situation would have a hard time uh, hiding what he's doing, too. A lot of stalkers in this movie. Yeah. The pizza delivery guy does the best job out of all of them, too. He does. Like, (laughs) that is fucking Edward Norton in Primal Fear, Kaiser Soze from the usual suspects level of, like, fucking just. Yeah. Playing in, like, hiding in the shadows, like, who you really are. It's fucking brilliant. He's he's a, a stalker and he's he's you know, um, he's creepy, uh, but way less creepy than Kevin Spacey, even though he's a stalker. <laughs> Plus, he's like really smart as Tucker, and he's really stupid as Norm. I don't understand uh, yeah, why. He, yeah, I don't understand why he just doesn't like be Tucker all the time. Like, like Tucker could probably get him a fucking decent job. Yeah. Even then, if he's making it up, he's he's you fake it until you make it, right? So like he he's good at that. He can't be the only person that has lied on a resume. They fucking make memes about this now, where somebody it looks completely lost and it says when you lied on your resume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the last category. Uh, I have uh, is the uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, I will ask you a uh, series of uh, questions. To see if this movie, uh, the category this movie falls under, whether it fits into a Hall of Fame. Um, would this movie go into a '90s comedy Hall of Fame? Yes, uh, I think it is in a couple of Hall of Fames already. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Like we spoke earlier, like we both feel like this is kind of like one of the quintessential comedies of the 90s, kind of mm-hmm. as the bridge between uh, the uh, the R-rated comedies of the 80s and what we got in the, the 2000s, spanning mm-hmm. the arguably the two greatest eras of comedy. Uh, yeah. So yeah, definitely. Uh, Cameron Diaz, I'd say yeah. I mean, this is the movie she's most known for. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, Ben Stiller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so too. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, ben Stiller uh, regards it as one of his favorite movies too. So uh, that he's done. These next two, I I, I kind of threw a couple curveballs to see what you uh, say. Uh, would this movie make the uh, Hall of Fame of dog attacks in movies? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Uh, and. Just thinking off the top of my head of dog attacks in movies, I can think of like two or three. This is this is easily one of the funniest. Yeah, I, I think uh, we don't see it. I don't think we see it too much. But uh, Ice Cube's dad in Friday, he gets attacked by a dog. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where they showed. I, it's been a while since I seen Friday. We need to revisit that movie. Yeah, oh, Friday's yeah. fucking amazing. Um, Are we counting? I mean, I, I I I think we can count the cougar in the car in Talladega Nights, right? It's not a dog per se. Well, an animal, an animal attack. Uh, yeah. Well, of course, we have to do like uh, 
There's Cujo. There's Man's Best yeah. Friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, stuff like that. There's a there's a pretty funny one in the Mario Super Mario Brothers movie team. Yeah, I, I would say that one for sure. I don't know if that would make the Hall of Fame though, but no, it wouldn't make the Hall of Fame. I don't think, but it's pretty funny. Yeah, I'd say we put it in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that's a pretty we we yeah. both said that's the best scene in the movie. So, um, yeah, last definitely. one I got here is uh, bodily fluids is hair gel in movies. This is the only one, right? Are there others that is shown in like about, a reputable movie theater? Yes. Now they could be, there could be other movies yeah. that have, but those are the movies that you have to be a certain age to go watch, or you can find them on the <laughs> internet, which I'm sure there's probably a whole fucking sub genre of that or an only fans page or something. I'll it right alongside the guy, the three pound king. Yeah. If if we have not already sparked it, we may have just started like two fucking Pornhub subgenres that you can search: three pound cocks and like the old fucking jizz hair gel. You know what? You know what? I, at this point, you know Pornhub. Feel free to sponsor us. It's fine. You know what? I would totally. I would not have any shame at all. And saying <laughs> at the opening of each and every show, Pornhub presents the Couch Potato Podcast. I would not have any fucking shame in it at all. Nope. No. <laughs> so, well, hey, yeah. uh, we got to wrap this up. Uh, you got any uh, final thoughts? Um, yeah, final thoughts. Uh, uh, I, I was reading about it being a, a classic uh, movie from from uh, the 90s how it's becoming quickly becoming classic comedy um and i i am after watching it again uh, and researching the movie i am confident in saying that that is accurate um probably um a classic in uh definitely in, in 90s uh comedies um comedies overall uh, it was very influential um uh, especially in um you know kind of spurring that R-rated comedy movie forward in the, uh, in the era that it was released. So, um, after watching again, which everybody should watch it again. And it's a fun time. It's not, a, it's not a waste of time. And even if it's, you know, a little offensive, uh, it's, it's still funny in, in many, many spots. Uh, like you said, if a kid can come in and watch a dog attack a guy and just start rolling, laughing on the floor, it's a good time. So, yeah. I, I don't know what, how that is. I don't know how that speaks to me as a parent, but I, yeah. I mean, he, he, it's fine. It's fine. It, well, he only caught like the tail end of it. Like the, the whole dog attack scene is like seriously, like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Right. Yeah. He, he, he completely skips the part where, uh, what is he? There's so many euphemisms that he uses, like spank the monkey, clear the pipes. Uh, what is it? Uh, smack the dolphin or something. <laughs> Fl- uh, flog the dolphin, I think, is what he says. <laughs> Which yeah, I don't even. <laughs> when I I heard that, I thought of that fucking kid uh, that got uh, in trouble in Singapore, and they flogged him with that cane. <laughs> and I thought flogging the dolphin is like taking a kendo stick to a fucking dolphin's back. 
All right, I think we need to wrap this up, man. I think I'm I'm at the point now where I'm kind of punch drunk. I think it could be oh, make for a fun episode. So, um, that's it for this week, uh, Adam. A goddamn pleasure as always. Uh, love having you on the show. Yeah. Um, for those of you uh, listening, we appreciate it. Uh, be sure to follow us on uh, social media. We are on Instagram, uh, Twitter. Facebook and the new Instagram threads. Uh, you can find our links at the show description page at the, uh, the bottom of the show. Uh, if you like what we're doing here, please give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify it does help us out in those uh, search results. Uh, so if somebody is in the market to look up podcasts about three pound cocks, this will be the first one that pops up. Um, Boom. <laughs> So uh, until next week, uh, be kind to one another, be kind to yourself, and good fucking night until next week.